Hear the word of God from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 24. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 821 in the Pew Bible. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe! Help my unbelief! The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be able to be here with you all today. I'm oftentimes over in the Magnolia service, and so it's great to see all your faces. So here we are in our first week of our Lenten series, and it's this season where we're going to journey towards Easter together, intentionally reflect on our lives and our faith as we find our way to the resurrection story of Jesus. Our series is entitled Embracing the Uncertain, and it's based off of two of McGray's new books that are hot off the presses. One is a small group study that many of our small groups are using, and the other is a devotional book that you can get as well. Each week in our worship series, just like the book, we are going to look at the different stories that we see in scriptures, and we're going to look at the characters. And we're going to see how McGray puts it, how they become signposts for us in the gospel narratives. He writes this in his book. He says, It's only by embracing the uncertain that we can fully acknowledge the power and the proof of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. It's at the empty tomb that we discover that the ground has settled, our footing is sure, and that there's only one source for a firm foundation on which we build our lives. Pretty good, huh? You know, I got to confess that uh, I'm a little nervous about kicking off this series and doing it justice. I mean, how did I get the short straw to kick off McGray's new book in the sermon series? I'm not quite sure. But I decided to embrace my doubts and my fears and to step into the uncertain, and we'll just see where it has us landing. So I invite you to pray with me as we take a look at this text today. Lord, as we engage this story in scripture, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God. 
So, when I looked at the first the title of the first chapter of Gray's book, it's called The Desperate Father and the Uncertainty of Faith. And there were two words that struck me. One was father, and the other was certainty. And it made me think of my dad, because you see, he's an engineer. And life was all about certainty in our household. He would say, as a scientist, there is mathematical formulas that, as he would call, could provide a measurable probability for successful outcomes. And that's how we got to live and make decisions in our household. (laughs) Yes, we did. Except he also lived in a household with three creative spirit-filled feminine energy floating around. And I got to tell you, for him, certainty often went out the window. (laughs) Yeah, he would say we became his good spiritual teachers. I guess it's not a wonder that he cultivated his faith as he tried to make sense of all the uncertainty that we seemed to bring into his life. Well, today we have a story with a father who steps into the uncertainty of his faith as well. But for him, the circumstances are a little bit more desperate. The story opens up, and we've got the disciples and the scribes, and they're arguing. And apparently, we're told, as the father steps forward, it's because he had asked them to heal his son, and they didn't seem to be able to do so. Now, when we look at this story, we could look at it from many different lenses. I realize we could look at it about the healing that happens to the boy, or what was going on with the boy. Or we could look at it from the lens of those disciples and those scribes. I mean, what were they arguing about? Why was Jesus so frustrated with them? But for the few moments we have today, I thought we might look at the desperate father and that famous line that we heard read, I believe, help my unbelief. As I looked at this story, there were two things that struck me as part of it. One was that the father had doubts. And two, was that he was able to appeal to Jesus for help. Help with his unbelief. You know, we have no idea, really, what the measure of faith is of this father when he comes up to these disciples. I mean, Jesus had been doing a whole lot of healing in the area. Lots of miracles have been going on. Loaves and fishes had been experienced. I mean, did he know of this? Had Had he heard of those stories? The scripture doesn't really tell us. It tells us that he did come. The text is clear that he came seeking healing, but he also came with doubts. He was a man willing to step into the uncertainty of his faith and to ask Jesus for help. You know, doubts and questions are good, especially when it comes to our faith, and I don't know why it gets such a bad rap, really. I mean, doubts and questions, they can help us find answers, and it can help us release our need for certainty. I mean, look at the characters throughout scriptures. They're continually wrestling with their faith. I mean, from generation to generation. I mean, you got Jacob, he wrestled with his faith. You got Moses. Goodness me, he questioned and argued with God, like, a lot, didn't he? And then there's those disciples. There they are, journeying with Jesus, learning what it looks like to live out this life of faith, and they ask questions, and they've got doubts. All the mind, they're kind of reasoning with their minds. What does this mean? I mean, what does it look like to live out this life of faith that Jesus is teaching us? Anne Lamont has this wonderful quote. 
And she says, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. And you know, the truth of it is, more often than not, living in certainty can really stink, can't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like to have answers. Knowing improbability, um, boy, that can really be very comforting, can't it? And we certainly like it with our faith. I mean, wouldn't it be easier if we just had the answers? If they were just clearly written in language, by the way, that we could understand, wouldn't that be much more helpful? But you know, I believe that it's not always our answers that most transforms us, but it is our doubts and our questions and even our fears when we open ourselves up to discover the deeper truth that lives within ourselves and our relationship with God. You know, one thing I love about a United Methodist tradition is that we are a people who are continually seeking our understanding of scriptures and what it looks like to live out this faith together. And as a matter of fact, as good Methodists, we even have a process that helps us understand our faith. I like to call it the windchime metaphor, but it does have this kind of weird scholastic name. It's called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Yeah, that makes you really want to explore that, doesn't it? Yeah. But one of my professors, uh, Paul Chilcote, he uses a wind chime to describe this way in which we explore our faith to seek understanding. And it starts out just like a wind chime. So if you've got a wind chime, you've got the base of it, right? Well, that base is scripture. Scripture, the story of God that is unfolding through time into this ongoing relationship with humanity. And so with scripture as its base, there are three chimes that hang off of it. One is the chime of reason, one is tradition, and one is experience. And then you have the ball that sits in the center of that chime, and that ball is us. And the idea is when we allow the wind of the Spirit to move through us, to bounce off of tradition and reason and experience as it is grounded at the base of Scripture, then our doubts and our questions, they can transform and they become music of our faith as we live into it. You see, this metaphor allows us to embrace the uncertainty and to discover the music of faith that lives within us as we reach out to God for help and as we explore it together in community with others. You know, this week I have been so inspired to hear of stories from many of you about the way in which God has been at work in your life as you wrestle with and as you struggle through questions and life that is uncertain. One of our musicians at the portico, she wrote a beautiful song about how believing in God is an ongoing process, one that she's still seeking. We have church members on both campus that write poetry about their faith and the way that they live it out in the midst of doubt and uncertainty. One even shared how God's restoring her, much like the child in this story. I even got the chance to visit with one of our church members, Denise Shepherdson, who shared with me this week how her faith became stronger as she confronted brain cancer twice. 
She said she grew deeper in her faith during that time. She began to see gratitude like never before. And it was interesting because she said her faith grew not because she got the results that she wanted, but instead, she said, her faith grew in living in the uncertainty of it all, that her faith was deepened. Her story inspired me as I listened to how God brought her through with strength and hope. She said her go-to verse was Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. So what about you? Is there a place in your life that you need to release your need for certainty, to move towards Jesus in this Lenten season? You know, dealing with our doubts and our disbeliefs can be challenging, if not even painful at times. Embracing the uncertainty of doubt is an opportunity that we all get to live into throughout our lives. And if this particular season of your life you are wrestling with that, I want to invite you to our website. We've put some scripture verses up there. We've also provided some, uh, some short stories and some um, articles that can help you as you're wrestling or exploring doubts and questions that you may have. You can go to Hyde Park UMC slash Lent, and they're listed there. You know, I believe when we embrace our doubts and appeal to God for help, with our uncertainty, well, it's then that we open ourselves up to be changed, and we can even change our world, I think. I believe that embracing this life with Jesus has the power to change. It has the power to change us in the way that we live, and the way that we love, and the way that we can impact this world. You know, I don't know about you, but this week, I know, caused many of us to question our beliefs, to struggle with the circumstances as we watch things unfold in Parkland, Florida. I mean, even among people of faith, there's differing views on how we deal with the issues and the cycle of violence. People differ on the impacts laws have on their rights versus the safeties of others. And it can leave us all feeling powerless and frustrated, can it? And in the meantime, there's families that are in grief, there's communities in shock, and all will live in the midst of that uncertainty. Our bishop wrote this on Wednesday when things unfolded. He said, on this Ash Wednesday, our services, our services announced the biblical imperative to repent and believe the gospel. In light of today's shootings, we repent from our participation in the culture of death, and we acknowledge the harm that we do to others. And we claim the power of the cross that breaks the cycle of violence and retaliation. We also grieve with the communities of Parkland and Coral Springs, Florida, and the deaths of the 17 persons and the wounding of many others on the campus of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. A number of surrounding United Methodist churches have students at this school, and our connection will support healing ministries in the days ahead. You know, I have to admit, I cried out, help my unbelief, when I watched everything unfold this week. And I invite you to join me and others as we prayerfully discern how we might become a positive part 
of this ongoing conversation and how we deal with the devastation of human tragedy and violence in this uncertain world. Vicki, as Shelley mentioned, is in the courtyard today. But I love the opening line that our youth used when our youth and our um, leaders put together an affirmation of faith that we're going to be using in several of our worship services uh, throughout this season of Lent. Here are these opening lines. They say, in an uncertain world, I'm certain of this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit present with me always. When my faith falters, I turn to God, who uses my doubts to draw me closer and deepen my faith. They continue on, but they close with this. In all things, even in uncertainty, I surrender my life and my will to God, who loves and cares for me, always and forever. Our youth pulled this together as they wrestle with their doubts and their faith in the midst of uncertainty. Faith is about this daily choice to walk in the presence of God, regardless of our circumstances, and regardless of the outcomes that we get in this life. I mean, I, over the last many years, just like all of you, we deal with the uncertainties of life, don't we? We seek courage to believe in the places in which we cannot see. You know, two years I got to experience this passage in reverse, actually. For it was my desperate father that was living in the uncertainty of life. His cancer had returned again, and after many years of treatment, it wasn't working. And I watched him step into uncertainty and to trust God despite the inevitable outcome. But i got to tell you, the truth is, I didn't like living in uncertainty then. I wasn't ready, and I wanted more time. And I wanted to run. I wanted to run from the pain of the potential loss, and I wanted to stay as busy as I could so that I didn't have to feel so desperate about my doubts and my fears. But as I spent time with God in prayer, I reached out and I said, help me not run. Help me not stay so busy. And this time I didn't. I stayed and I noticed the mess. I lived into the discomfort, and I felt the emptiness and wrestled with my doubts. I trusted in God's strength as we served and loved him until he took his last breath. And you know what I discovered? It didn't crush me. Instead, that mess became gratitude, and that emptiness became inspiration, and my doubt a deeper faith. Brene Brown says this. She says, Faith is a place of mystery where we find the courage to believe in what we cannot see and the strength to let go of our fear of certainty. I know for me, like this man in this story, I needed courage to believe in what I couldn't see. And I needed strength to weather the uncertainty. So I wonder, what about you? Are there places in your life where you need courage to believe? Or maybe you need strength 
to let go of your fears of uncertainty. As we embrace the uncertain together in this Lenten season, it is our prayer that the presence of God may deepen your faith, strengthen your hope, and bring all of us courage, courage to believe where we cannot see. I'd like to close with a prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers written by Thomas Merton. And I know it's a prayer that's guided me over many years as it's guided many of you. But hear these words as words of hope in the midst of our doubts and uncertainty. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going, and I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.